Welcome to On the Other Side, where we talk crypto, culture, and society, and how crypto might shape society and change how real humans live their actual lives. This episode is part of the DAO mini-series, which is a crossover series between the Brave New Work podcast and On the Other Side, where we talk all about what DAOs can learn from self-managing orgs with Aaron Dignan and Rodney Evans from The Ready, who are the hosts of the Brave New Work podcast. They are experts in the world of self-management. So this series is all about super short, bite-sized episodes where we talk about very specific topics and explore what DAOs can learn from self-managing orcs. Before we get into that, I want to give a quick thank you to Rabbit Hole for sponsoring On the Other Side. Rabbit Hole allows users to earn crypto while they explore the weird world of Web3, guiding new users down the crypto rabbit hole in a curated way to make sure that people coming into the space are not only using positive sum protocols, but are also starting to build their on-chain resume as they do it. The long-term vision is building the open credentialing system for Web3. And to build that system, it's important that they're decentralized. The Pathfinder program is paving the way for decentralizing rabbit hole and creating an open system built by the community, not by a single team. If you're interested in checking out rabbit hole or joining the Pathfinder program, you can learn more at rabbithole.gg slash Pathfinder or check them out on Twitter at rabbithole underscore GG. All right, let's hop into the show. Welcome to Tea Time with the Ready. <laughs> Welcome to Tea Time with the Ready. On today's menu is how to structure proposals. So we're going to be talking all about structuring proposals, thinking about what should be included, what probably shouldn't be. And a little bit of context for this before we dive into conversation about it is I know the ready has a particular way of structuring proposals and thinking about proposals that feels like it's been very well thought out. Mm. I think DAOs are probably very much, everyone is different, but Figuring out what needs to be articulated, what doesn't, and where discussion fits into all of this, which maybe will end up overflowing into a separate conversation. But I think the big question here is just, what is the best way to structure proposals and what is important to include in proposals? Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll start there. And generally proposals I'm thinking are governance proposals, but perhaps there is also a conversation to be had about what types of proposals exist at what levels so i actually want to flip it back to you to to set the table because i'm curious what you've seen in the dao space in terms of proposal structure what are some are there any norms are there any boundaries or habits or is it a free-for-all how would you describe the current state of proposal making across the different systems that you've had a look inside Yeah. So I think a lot of what I've seen is generally speaking, giving a little bit of background about what's going on and the context of the proposal is something that's generally standard, but not across all DAOs. And then a lot of proposals focus heavily on what's actually being proposed from a detail perspective, thinking about theoretically how systems would work. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they include people who are actually going to do those things in them, often they don't, or often they include people who are heading up a proposal. And often those people tend to be the ones who are executing on it. And then a budget, which is basically, you know, what people often have questions about, but that's 
overall what I've seen. I think it definitely depends based on the ecosystem, obviously, in the DAO. But those are like the main core components. That makes sense. And I would say in the self-management space, because structurally we're usually working on the OS, a lot of proposals tend to be about roles, about chartering circles or squads or pods, and about agreements. So policies, processes, norms, habits, et cetera, et cetera, strategies, that that sort of stuff. I know, Rodney, you probably have lots of thoughts about the all the preamble and meta concepts that surround an agreement, but I would say at its core, an agreement for us has to at least articulate what is the tension? What is the thing that we're trying to resolve? So we can all align around like, oh, you're trying to get this to happen, or you're trying to change this aspect of our of our organization. And then some kind of a way forward with as much detail as possible without being overwhelming. And I think that's where, at least in the proposals I've seen in the more like, you know, DeFi slash DAO space, things get a little rowdy, because it's uh some of them are a bit of an eye chart in terms of like, do I actually understand what this person is even saying, as opposed to something that could be quite simple and and elegant. I've seen agreements and proposals happen at the ready that are a paragraph and have actually been really instrumental in building the system. So what would you add to that, Rodney? Yeah, I would say based on what I've seen and what you have described, Chase, I think One first cut at this is as we move into consent-based decision-making, which we're going to talk about more together, um, being clear in a proposal what is context and what is actually being proposed is really Mm. important. Because a lot of times what I see are proposals where people want to argue about the assumptions that are made in the like surrounding facts or background that that doesn't really matter in terms of (laughs) consenting to the proposal. So the first thing is like, whittle down proposals to the actual policy agreement role experiment that we're deciding about. There should be room for the other stuff. Like Aaron said, what the tension is that it responds to, what the assumptions are maybe that we're making, what the impacts might be, et cetera, et cetera. But like, like get really clear on what the ask is and separate that out and make that as obvious and as simple as possible. That's a mistake that I see people in all kinds of organizations make because we end up having the wrong conversation about like the attendant details, not the actual thing itself. Mm. That's really interesting because it does feel like when you have these types of proposals that I'm talking about are often set at a DAO-wide level, right? which means that you have a lot of people often engaged in talking about them and everyone has really different opinions and approaches and priorities, which I know is probably also a different conversation about governance more broadly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But the idea of really getting to the meat of what the proposal is talking about and worrying perhaps a little bit less about some of the details sounds like some of what you're talking about. Is that like a fair read of this? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's separating out the additional detail and context from the thing we're really agreeing to. So like mm. at its at its core, you're proposing something and I'm saying yes or no, but just to that thing, not to like future implications or <laughs> background <worldview. laughs> or why you came to that. Like we could disagree on why you made that proposal and I could still agree to it. So it's like getting 
you know, really like narrowing the focus to the specific proposal. And then the other thing, and I've seen this as I've read a few proposals like in the DAO space is, you know, sometimes I read these proposals and they seem like (laughs) they seem like the way like democratic policy gets past where it's like, oh, I'm just going to slide something in here about like lunch subsidies in paragraph (laughs) 17.4. And I'm like, yo, 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 yo. One proposal at a time. Like if we make our governance process swift and light and elegant, we should be able to pass a bunch of very clear paragraph long proposals rather than having something that looks like an amendment to the constitution Mm -hmm. that like now we're going to argue forever because there's just too much stuff that we're trying to do at once. I'm glad you were bringing up a principle there, Rodney, about like really the separation of concerns, so to speak, with agreements and making them really focused. It also reminds me of the agreement template that we have at the ready. And while sometimes this feels like a little bit of overkill, in general, I think it's really good rails to put people on. So right now, when you spin up a new proposal in in the ready, it has a section for the tension. It has a section for data. What do we know or what data or facts contribute to the case for the agreement? It has a section for assumptions, as Rodney said. So what does it assume? What do we know or not know? It has a section for benefits. What do you expect to get? A section for risks. What might go wrong? And then finally, a section for alternatives. What else have you considered? And then there's a hard break and then the agreement. And so you can just see that like you're filling all that out and really setting the stage. And then you might write four or five sentences. And then that's the whole thing. But the body of it there is really easy to read and go like, boom, 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 boom. I understand what we're doing. And when you say the agreement, what does that actually mean? Whatever it is that you're proposing that would sort of be encoded in the governance record or the quote unquote constitution of the DAO or organization moving forward. So if it's like, this is the way we're going to do X, or this is our hiring process, or even a decision, like we're going to spend this much money on this thing, where does that, the actual nuts and bolts of that decision, that language get locked? Because the rest Mm -hmm. of the context doesn't matter. Like if we agree that we're going to spend a million dollars on this thing, the the reasons why we did it are interesting, but the actual letter of the law is we are spending a million dollars on this thing. That's what goes in the record. That's really interesting. That makes a lot of sense. And that context for the agreement feels like the exact thing that we need to work on. The including of data is also really interesting because that feels like something where it's been really hard to figure out where that goes in a lot Mm. of proposals. And so being able to say, here are assumptions and here is data associated with this topic or relevant (laughs) to this is incredibly interesting in the context of all of this. Is that not something that you see now? I think it's something that we kind of see, but it's not explicitly organized in that fashion, which means that the impact of having more or less data is sort of like, who knows if this is true or Mm. I'm going to sprinkle this in to strengthen my argument Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. or against something rather than sort of making it feel very objective, which kind of feels like what including data and doing that process, even where you outline risks and alternatives, it feels like it tries to make things a little bit more objective and a little bit less like you're creating a sales pitch. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That totally makes sense. 
And then the other thing that my brain goes to when we're talking about this is how we decide who should be voting on a given proposal. And an example that I'm thinking of is let's say that I create a proposal that impacts two different working groups or guilds or circles or pods or whatever we call them, who actually has a say on different decisions like that, or perhaps the entire DAO, maybe this is a whole other conversation, but (laughs) I'm curious how you decide who should be deciding for a given proposal. Well, this is the subject of much discussion right now at Murmur, where we're trying to build tooling around this. And where we've landed is that there's a, a sort of ideal way, and then there's a way in practice. So the ideal way is that the organization does have a nested structure. So you can say, like, the original core contributors created this space, and that's a boundary. And then within that, distributed some authority to a marketing team and to an NFT team and to a you know, community management team or whatever it might be. And when that happens, then you start to have a sense of not only which groups might be involved, but also where do they meet in the system in terms of representation. So if I have a, you know, a design group and an engineering group that are both nested at the same place in our structure, I know that wherever they meet is going to be the, the, you know, super circle or super squad or whatever it is that, that supports them. However, if you don't want to do that work of, of figuring out what that nesting looks like and doing that kind of clear distribution of authority, you can also just play the game of, all right, well, if it involves that squad and that squad, I'm just going to bring those two groups together. And the reality is you can process a proposal in a consent-based way with you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 people even, and it won't completely break the process, but you certainly can't do it with 500 or 5,000. So I think there might be another episode hiding in here, but the move is to squadify or potify, nest the the areas of authority in the organization that you want to have executing and then empower them with a single proposal to have decision rights and domain over a certain part of the operation unless or until another proposal takes it away. And that way you do have a place to put stuff. That makes a lot of sense and makes me want to do an entirely separate topic on DAO-wide voting and thinking about <laughs> yes. all that stuff. Yeah. And I would I would just add, before we get to the level of clarity that Aaron is talking about, which I do believe to be ultimately necessary, even in very decentralized systems like DAOs and ours, here's, here's a, a tiny rubric that I'm going to float by you. In the absence of other clarity, I think the people who should consent are the ones doing the work, paying for the work, we're significantly impacted by the work. And if you use those three heuristics to gather the consenters, that might be sufficient in the absence of more clarity. I love that. And even if that is a really large number, you could start with those buckets of people yeah. having some electors or some representatives in a decision space. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And they could be elected based on that point of view. Totally. It, it's like... You know, if if the whole content team is going to be the execution arm of this decision, maybe the content team rep is coming, not just repping the content team, but really repping the point of view of executing. Right. What's it going to be like to execute this sucker? Yeah, exactly. That makes a lot of sense. And I feel like that is probably a perfect close for our first 
topic of discussion. Her first baby episode? <laughs> the little baby Her episode, yeah. Baby I episode. like that it's it's already branching little octopus legs, though. I love it. If you like what you heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. I always forget to do this for podcasts I like, but it's actually super useful. Also, if anything resonated with you or if you want to continue the conversation, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Chaser Chapman. I absolutely love talking about these things. Thanks again for listening.